This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. Just a day before a New York City ban on large-sized sodas was about to go into effect, a state judge has shut the plan down. Walter Olson, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, says what's most notable about this ruling from New York Supreme Court Judge Milton Tingling is just how sweeping it is. As everyone has heard, Mayor Bloomberg wanted to uh, ban large serving sizes of uh, sweetened drinks in many New York outlets. And uh, this had rolled forward without a vote of the New York City Council, but done through the Board of Public Health, which turned out to be uh, important. Um, And the uh, uh, various people from the soft drink industry sued, uh, Union and Chamber of Commerce and others, and uh, this had not gotten too much media attention. But uh, on the eve of the ban going into effect, uh, a New York judge agreed with the challengers, uh, struck it down not just temporarily, which is what you might expect a temporary injunction, struck it down permanently saying that uh, this was – beyond the New York City Board of Public Health's powers. Uh, It was even unconstitutional, he said, for them to behave that way. Uh, He uh, uh, very skeptically scrutinized the factual basis uh, for what they were doing and said that it was arbitrary and capricious to boot. So New York City uh, (laughs) has has now uh, – it's a very interesting day because Bloomberg has been uh, struck down about four different ways. This judge uh, uh, left him no choice but to appeal because – he, um, uh, it was very sweeping ruling. What was the strongest basis for for shutting this down? Well, arbitrary and capricious is um, the one that goes to the facts. And the judge pointed out, as some of the critics have pointed out, that uh, it doesn't make any particular sense that it applies at some types of outlets but not others. Here's the judge's uh, reasoning here. It says the simple reading of the rule leads to the earlier acknowledged uneven enforcement even within a particular city block, much less the city as a whole. The loopholes in this rule effectively defeat the state purpose of the rule. Exactly. And that's a traditional kind of way in which judges can strike down regulation is to say, um, you know, you can't possibly justify the unevenness of the application. So that's part of it there. Uh, But very interestingly, he went after the um, authority of the Board of Public Health to do it. And uh, the Board of Public Health, or the the city really, made some very ambitious claims about how if you go back to the 19th century when there were um, raging epidemics of tuberculosis, Uh, They had uh, various extreme powers to do extreme things. uh, And uh, so why can't we do this? And boy, did the judge ever take that one apart. He said um, uh, this agency did not raise itself above the law um, just because it had some special powers. Uh, It can't get – he said first, um, it does not have the right to do some of these things uh, on a non-emergency basis uh, to address uh, questions that easily could be be addressed in good time by the city council, in which he pointed out the city council, in fact, has debated many of the same points. It didn't pass the legislation. But uh, the clearly the type of social problem, if it is a social problem that's being addressed here, uh, is not the kind of emergency thing where you have to slap the person into quarantine because the city council is not going to convene for a week. And so uh, they knocked him down very strongly on that and very strongly invoked the separation of powers. He said that um, you cannot have legislation through a government regulatory agency uh, that – uh, according to the organization of the New York government, just like the federal government, is supposed to go through the legislature, whether it be the New York State Legislature or the City Council. Very interesting to us at Cato here because, of course, 
We've had uh, a couple of wide themes here that are um, shown very much in this New York legislation. One of them is uh, how uh, willing are judges to strike down a dumb regulation just because it's dumb. And uh, as you may know, uh, for about 50 years, the law schools taught, um, sorry, dumb or not, the judges are going to uphold it if it's economic regulation because they defer. That's that Their role in life is to defer on economic regulation. And that has been changing in part because of arguments made by Cato and others in the Supreme Court. Uh, it's, there's more of a question mark about how deferential the judges should be. I can tell you that Judge Tingling in New York sure was not deferential on that. But then second, secondly, there is the separation of powers question. Um, can an agency effectively write legislation uh, from whole cloth uh, and impose it as if it were a little mini legislature of its own? And again, long history since the New Deal, we've been told, well, yes, they can because uh, uh, excessive delegation is a dead doctrine. And then, uh, you know, again, the question has been coming back due to efforts by libertarians and others. Uh, wait a minute. This is certainly not what the founders intended. Maybe it's not a good system. Maybe it's not uh, set forever. Uh, once again, uh, this was a ringing affirmation of separation of powers. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work on the nanny state at cato.org.